Well, friends, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, please join me now by turning to Psalm 127. Our message this morning is titled, Releasing Arrows. So I brought up with me a prop. I think this is the first time I've ever done this, but I thought it might be helpful. This is an arrow, as you can tell. Now, currently, in my spare time, I'm beginning to prepare my bow hunting equipment for whitetail deer season, which starts in two weeks, in case you were wondering. And for the first time in my life as a bow hunter, I bought a dozen arrows, uh, bear arrow shafts this year, which means these arrows came without fletchings and they came without inserts so that I, can, I couldn't put a tip on them, a broadhead or a field tip. Usually when I buy arrows, they are nearly ready to shoot. They come with fletching which is this small piece of plastic at the back end of an arrow, which helps guide the arrow in its direction of travel. And they usually have an insert here at the tip, or I can put a field tip or a broadhead, which is used to pierce the animal's side. But this year, the arrows that I bought didn't have any of those things. They were bare shafts that needed me to build them and cut them so that they would fly right. Friends and fellow parents, here's the connection to today's text. When God gives us children, they don't come to us ready to launch like this arrow. They need to be built. They need to be crafted. They need to be prepared for the purposes for which God has called them to. And while each child's assignment in the kingdom will be different, our instruction to prepare them are the same. In this morning's text, God's going to teach us that our calling is to craft children with Christian character and then release them and to the next generation to make an impact for God's glory. In other words, we are building and releasing arrows to hit the target of glorifying God in their generation. What an incredible privilege we have been given as parents. So where do we get our building instructions? How do we know how to construct and build these arrows? We get, as Christians, we get our instructions from God's word. So friends, if you would now join me as we turn our attention to what is undoubtedly the best part of this morning's message, and that is the reading of God's holy word in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, the children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. 
Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when, his, when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's take a moment and go to the Lord in prayer to ask for his help. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for preserving your word and this beautiful psalm. We ask that you please open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. In Christ's name, amen. Our first point this morning is parenting in faith, not fear. Verses 1 and 2. This particular psalm has ministered to me in a mighty way this, this very week. Over the last two months, I've been waking up nearly every night between 2 and 3 a.m. with a fear of something harmful happening to my girls. And as I was studying this text, the Lord put his finger directly on my problem. My problem is anxiety. And the good news is that this chapter provides the remedy for a guy like me. King Solomon, a father himself, provides us with the foundation of parenting in verses 1 to 2. In verse 1, in particular, he says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So what is building a house, a laborer, a city, and a watchman have anything to do with raising children? Are verses 1 and 2 intended to be studied with verses 3 to 5? Well, yes, they certainly are. They are intended to be studied together. And in fact, this is what's amazing, verses 1 and 2 lay the foundation so that verses 3 and 5 can accomplish their purpose. Now, Solomon is a guy who knows a little something about a building project. He was the king who was responsible, was entrusted with the responsibility of building the temple in Jerusalem. At the completion of the project, Solomon says this in 2 Chronicles 6.4. He says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, listen to this, who with his hand has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth. Emphasis is on who? The Lord. Emphasis on the Lord accomplishing this great task. But here's another verse. This was amazing, fascinating. Another verse, just a breath away from this one in verse 10, where he says, speaking of himself, I have built this house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. So which is it? Did the Lord build the house or did Solomon build the house? Well, you know what the answer is. The answer is yes. Here's how Paul says it right here in 1 Corinthians 15.10. Listen, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. That's how Paul gives us divine insight into that incredible reality. So Solomon takes his experience of God's powerful provision in building the temple And he applies it to parenting. And he provides us with two categories that we should have as parents. You ready for these? The first is the category 
of building character versus 1A. Not even verse 1 and 2, just verse 1A. Listen, he says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Parents, our primary calling as parents is to build Christian character in our children. Our primary, our primary calling as parents is to build Christian character in our children. Now, how do we do that? Well, I've got two more ways for us. We're like down deep in the chart. We do this by teaching and by trusting. We teach, we teach our children God's word and God's ways, which means that we intentionally invest the time necessary to raise them up to know and love the Lord. Parents, there is... No higher calling that we could have in this life. There is no ministry more important than the one that God has given to us in the pattering of feet on a Saturday morning coming in to make pancakes. There are no more important non-Christians in your life than the little ones that are running around your home every single day. So, parents, we take the time to teach our children. All right? There's a lot in the Bible. So where in the world do we start teaching our children what's in the Bible? Well, here's where we start. My recommendation is this. We start with the gospel. We start by teaching our children the good news of the gospel. Listen, friends. <laughs> Parents, our children must know. They must know the good news of what God has done for them in sending and sacrificing his son on their behalf on the cross. Our children must know the good news of God's love for them. That he's everything different than what we naturally think that he is. We naturally have hard thoughts about God. But that he shows us in the gospel, he is so good. And he's great. And he's done everything necessary to accomplish our salvation in sending and sacrificing his son on the cross. Parents, you know what? I have found that when we discipline our daughter, that is the perfect opportunity to communicate with her the gospel. It brings me so much joy to communicate with her that Jesus died for her sins. I don't want to just communicate, sweetheart, you sinned, discipline, go about your way. No, I want to say you sinned, discipline, but good news. You don't have to live in this guilt. You have to live in this shame. God's done something for you. He sent and sacrificed his son so that your sins could be forgiven. Even this sin. Even this sin, sweetheart. Do you understand that? All that she must do is turn from her sin. 
and trust in him alone for forgiveness. We must teach our children the word. Friend, the Lord commands us all throughout his word, but I have a couple of places, like Deuteronomy 6, where he tells parents that we should diligently teach our children his word and his character. Now, how do we do that? What are some ways that we can obey Deuteronomy 6 and teach our children God's word? Well, we should read God's word. We should read God's word with our children, whether we are in the car and we want to turn on some audio of God's word for a moment, whether we're putting them down to bed at night and we want to take just a moment to read a passage of God's word, whether we're waking up in the morning and we're sitting around the breakfast table that we take a second and read God's word, that we're just exposing them. They're like sponges, right? Isn't that what everybody says? Kids are like what? They're like sponges. And so think of God's word like a bucket of water. You want to take your kids, this sponge, and put it in the bucket of God's word as much as you can because they're going to soak it up. They're going to hear it. They're going to hear him and what he expects of them, what he calls for them to do. And they're going to learn his incredible character. So we should read God's word to our children, and we should even encourage them to memorize God's word. I know a family, because that sounds daunting, right? You're like, listen, Matt, read God's word. Okay, we could do that. Memorize God's word, you're out of touch with reality. Listen, I know a family, personally, who has this commitment, and together they've memorized entire books of the Bible as families. What they found is that if they start with their younger children, if they start with their oldest children when they're young and start teaching them to memorize God's word, as they grow up, the little ones just think it's a pattern of life, a way of life. And they start to really like, oh, they don't think that it's hard. They hear their older brother, older sister doing it. And before some of their first words can be what they're memorizing from God's word. This is from a testimony of a family that I know personally. So we should read God's word, and we should encourage memorization of God's word. And three, we should help give our children a biblical worldview. Now, how in the world do we do that? What is a biblical worldview? Well, I think the best way that we can cultivate a biblical worldview in our children is to teach them through catechism. One catechism that I would recommend using is the New City Catechism. In fact, if you open up the front page of the New City Catechism and read why it was written by the Kellers, it was written because the author felt like the children whom they were ministering to were unable to receive the gospel because they had no categories of who God is, his holiness, his nature, his character, of sin, of our fallen condition in sin and thus our need for a Savior. They couldn't comprehend receiving the gospel because they didn't see themselves in need of the gospel. That's a void biblical worldview. And so introducing our children to a biblical worldview. I love, and what's amazing is that our little 
three-year-old now, but when she's two, we're working with her. And we got this actually from Ben and Abby Elkins, working with her through the New City Catechism. And, and Karis, what is our only hope in life? And they're little boys. That we are not our own, but we belong to God. Yes, like that right there will get you pumped up. Hearing the little tiny boys, two years old, like getting a worldview. What is our only hope in life and death? It's not success. It's not, a, it's not the pursuit of pleasure. It's that we're not our own, but that we belong to God. Paul Tripp says this, what is God's goal for your parenting? Listen, it goes way beyond clean rooms, good manners, proper dress, the right college, a good career, and marrying well. And all these things God calls parents to work towards something deeper and more lasting. Paul captures it in Ephesians 6 when he calls parents to bring their children up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. This radically changes the parental agenda. Gone is the horizontal focus. The call is to be part of God's work of heart transformation. To help the child change from a self-absorbed sinner to one who loves God above all else. So in addition to teaching, Psalm 127 calls us to trust. Solomon is clear. Unless the Lord builds, those who build labor in vain. So here's the translation. We are hopeless and helpless as parents without the help of the Lord. The assignment is too big. The calling is too great. But trust in the Lord, demonstrated through dependent prayer, invites the Lord to do what only the Lord can do in the child's life. Christopher Ashe says this, One of the greatest and most undervalued privileges of being brought up in a Christian home is that you will have been prayed for every day of your life. Wow. So if verse 1a is all about building character, what is verse 1b about? Well, verse 1b is about watching and protecting. Solomon says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now, while I might think of my sleeplessness as an example of genuine love for my girls, Solomon gives me a much more accurate diagnosis, which is far less self-flattering. He says, my sleeplessness is sin. It's the result of anxiety. Don't flatter yourself, Matt. It's the result of not trusting the Lord. He says in verse 2, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now Solomon is not condemning a life of hard work that requires going to sleep late and waking up early. Instead, he is critiquing a life of anxiety that disrupts our pattern of sleep. His point 
is that if we are so anxious in our parenting that it disrupts our rest, then we should repent and cast all of our cares upon him who cares. Trust him. Roll those burdens off onto the mighty shoulders of the Lord. It's too heavy for us. Roll them off onto the Lord and trust him. Trust him. Come what may. The older our children get, the more we're going to want to watch their life, to protect them from sin and to safely guard them from danger. And obviously, this can be a good priority, but it must not be done in our own strength. The Lord is our child's greatest protector. He is their ultimate refuge. Paul Tripp says this, It is important for us to look at our task as parents from the vantage point of the awesome power of God. The power by which he created the world holds the universe together, raised Christ from the dead, and defeated sin. Our God is a a God of glorious power far beyond what our minds can conceive. We cannot look at our parental responsibilities only from the perspective of our weariness and weakness, We must remember that we are the children of the Almighty. He is power and He is strength. So these two categories of building character and protecting children are like the fletching at the end of an arrow that is meant to guide our children in the direction that we launch them. In the direction of travel. Without this fletching, if you pull this arrow back and you shoot it 30 yards, you're aiming for that target, you're not going to hit it. It doesn't have the stability that it needs to catch the wind and guide it through the air. These categories of watching and protecting and building character, they're the fletching on our child's life. That if we, if we go through our Christian parenting without putting on these categories in their life and then we launch them at 18 and they immediately stop going to church, we should not be surprised. I don't know what went wrong with little Johnny. We, we did everything right. Well, what did you do? We didn't do really anything. But we did everything right. Like We didn't cuss in the house and we didn't do this. Okay, did you? You raise them up in the discipline and the instruction. What what does that mean? Oh, okay. Maybe you should have been in the baby dedication that day. No, it's it's about putting on these categories of, of teaching our children God's word. Raising our children to love the Lord. So that when we launch them, they have these categories. It's not a obviously it's not a, a sure guarantee, like that you launch them and then they, oh, we, You just check this box and your children love the Lord? No, obviously not. God is sovereign. He's over all of our responsibilities. But he gives us responsibilities. And this is our responsibility. Build character and protect children. Protect our children. Our calling is to craft children with Christian character and release them into the next generation to make an impact for God's glory. Pretty cool. Our second point, we've had like five seconds so far, but this is the true second point, is raising sharp 
children. Raising sharp children. Now listen, when I'm bow hunting, you're learning way too much about my bow hunting the last couple of weeks. Obviously, I'm excited. When I'm bow hunting, I prefer to sit high in a tree, at least 15 to 20 feet if possible. Now, when you're this high in a tree, it gives you an angle. It gives your angle the opportunity to make an ideal shot at a target. Well, similarly, now that Solomon has built a tall and a strong foundation for our parenting in verses 1 to 2, he tells us to take aim in verses 3 to 5. He says this, our children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. And they are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Now, what does he mean by our children being a heritage from the Lord? He means that our children are an inheritance from the Lord. He's making the point that if God provides a child, we should trust God with our child. And we ought not to be anxious. William Plummer says this, Wherever God sends mouths, he sends meat. Solomon says that children are the fruit of the womb, a reward. Which means... That children are a gift of God's love. Now, at this point, I want to take a second and address those who are here who have been unable to have children. Or those who have had difficulties with pregnancy. Listen, friend, I can't speak to the why, but I can speak to the who. This is who the Lord says that he is. Isaiah 54 says this of the Lord, Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Isaiah is is reminding us that we really can trust God with our broken hearts and our shattered dreams. We really can have hope in him that goes beyond evidence and emotions. And though we face countless disappointments and heartbreaking situations in this life, He promises, he promises, the king of the universe, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, he promises that none of it will go unseen and none of it will be forgotten. In other words, we are safe in the arms of the Lord. I want to take a second and, and actually just pray for those who are in the room this morning. I just want to take a second for me to pray over you, to pray for you in light of this hard, challenging, difficult circumstance and situation that's in your life. So just join me as we take a moment and and pray. Lord, this morning we're, we're talking about children. We're talking about Raising children, we're talking about the instruction of children, we're talking about 
We're showing children videos of children, children coming up, the sounds of children. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's incredible. But what I know, I know that there are some who are with us this morning that would say, yes, it is incredible and it is hard. It is hard because I have had a hard time getting pregnant. I have had a hard time staying pregnant. And Lord, I want to ask you for your ministering grace, the way that you only the way that only you can, that you would minister to my friends, your people right now. Those who are in their mind right now thinking, I think that's me. I think that's they're talking about me. I ask God that you would minister to them, bring them fresh comfort, bring them fresh encouragement, bring them fresh reminder of your steadfast, amazing, incredible trustworthy character. And God, if I might be so bold to ask, would you open, open their wombs like Hannah cried out for her son? Or would you, would you open their wombs? We trust you, come what may, but I ask, would you open their wombs? For those who have lost children, that you would comfort and encourage and care. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name. Amen. Solomon goes on in verse 4 and says that children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. That's my kind of perspective on parenting. (laughs) Like he's speaking my language right there. I mean, I brought an arrow as a prop this morning. Children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And I'm like, I don't know that I'm a warrior. I want to be a warrior. But I I got the arrow thing down. Children are like hands and are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. What a perspective. I mean, that should get all the dads in the room like, yes. If David Goggins and Joe Rogan can get guys pumped, listen, Solomon's getting his jack this morning. Children are like arrows in the hands. Like, there's a brick wall. I'm ready to run through that brick wall and raise my, my children for the glory of God in the next generation. Maybe I'm alone. I don't think so. Now think about that perspective and conversation regarding your children. Mom and dad, what is your purpose in parenting? Well, according to Psalm 127, it is this. To receive from the Lord these arrow shafts that are our children and dependently and intentionally place fletchings on each one of them which will guide their trajectory And dependently and intentionally place a sharp tip on each arrow which will pierce their generation for the glory of God. In other words, mom and dad, we are preparing our children to advance the gospel in their generation. Here's another another thing I want you to think about. A potentially... 
life-changing perspective on your parenting. This comes from one author who says this. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. This psalm wants to remind us that children are not a distraction in our path of pleasing and serving the Lord. Children are not a hindrance in our path of bringing great glory to our great God. They're not a disruption. They are a gift from the Lord that he wants us to intentionally build so that we can release them into the next generation's mission field. That's why Solomon says in verse 5, Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now, though I don't believe this verse is a call for Christians to have as many children as possible, I think it's important for each couple to pray and seek God's will for how many children he would have for them to have. What this verse really is, what verse 5 really is, is it is a shot to the ribs, a Mike Tyson shot to the ribs of our culture that says children are a burden to be avoided. Children are not a burden. Solomon says emphatically they are a blessing. But more importantly, God's voice is heard in and over Solomon, and he is saying children are a blessing. And the couple who fills their quiver with them is blessed. Now why? Why is the couple who fills their quiver with them blessed? Well, Solomon says it's because he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. What if we don't have a gate? What in the world is Solomon talking about by that? Well, this is Old Testament language. That means the more children you had, the more security you had. The more children you had, the more security you had. Your children would grow up to care and to protect you. Just like you once cared and protected them. I see that. I've seen that with both my mom and her incredible care for her mom and dad and my dad and his incredible care for his mom and dad. It's breathtaking. At one point, they were being taken care of by their parents. And then they flip around they do the same thing. I think of the very reason that Ronnie's back from the mission field. He's here to take care of his dad. That's what he's talking about right here in Psalm 127. He's talking about that. He's saying it's the best investment you can make for your future. Put all your stocks right there. That's why we're having girls in our house. Listen, I'm a son. I know. Like, my sisters are way better caretakers than I am. I mean, like, I had a decision in the matter of to have the girls, right? Like, that's why we're having the girls. It's like, when I get old, it's like, sweetheart, like, I, I took good care of you. And I did that really in grace, but, but you owe me. You owe me. I mean, buy us a house, like, and let us move in with you. 
So parents, this text invites us to re-engage at home. Like, if I don't hear of a couple of dads, like, going home and just, like, hulking out of their shirt, like, I'm excited to be a dad. You know, I'm excited to build arrows. I'm excited to take the next generation for the glory of God and the advancement of the gospel. I'm going to be so disappointed. If I don't hear that there are some man-sized holes in the side of people's homes because they run through, I'm going to be so disappointed. This text invites us as parents to re-engage. This is a moment for our faith to be stirred afresh, for a fresh perspective on God's purpose in our parenting. And church at large, it's like the singles are like, really glad I came today. There's a lot in there for me, man. Thanks. The church at large, what is our job? What is the church's job at large in this important assignment? Well, listen, you have a very, 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 very important job, more important than you can even think. These kids are gonna, they're gonna grow up and they're gonna have influences in their life. And we hope their influence is you. And you, and I could go around the room and point to each one of the members of this church and say, I want my kid to be influenced by you and your categories and your sacrifice and missions and, and your heart to give. And it's insanely important. If our kids grow up in a church that does not take Christ seriously, should we expect them to take Christ seriously? But if they grow up in a church that sees a church like this, like like you, oh my goodness, this is, this is good, really, really good. That's how important your role is. It's a primary responsibility of the parents to raise their children to serve and love the Lord, but the church is called to equip and assist parents in that task. And to that end, I'm really excited to announce something to you. As a church family, I'm excited to announce that we're putting the finishing touches on a plan to expand our very own Living Hope Kids children's ministry. We're putting the finishing touches on a plan to expand that children's ministry. Up to this point, our children's ministry has served families with six months to three-year-old children, but we believe now is the time to launch a ministry that serves children six months to 12 years old on a Sunday morning. It's going to be a, a huge step of faith for our church, but what else should we be doing? We follow a great God who can do far more than we could ever ask or think. It's a huge step for our church, but, but it is no doubt one that has been bathed in prayer and waited on in patience for over six years, maybe close to seven years. If you've been one of the people praying for this through the years, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for praying for this. Not only are parents entirely dependent on the Lord to build their family, so are pastors entirely dependent on the Lord to build his church. Thank you so much for praying for our children's ministry. I'd like to invite all of you to pray for God to give us the grace that we need to start and sustain 
a successful children's ministry at Living Hope. More details are coming, but the Lord is good. The Lord is really good. And the Lord has certainly been good to us at Living Hope Church. And my plea is this. May he continue to do far more abundantly than anything that we could ask or think. I just have one final question for parents. Parents, are you ready to release arrows that pierce the heart of the culture for the glory of God in the next generation? Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we close. Lord, by faith and not in fear, we say we are ready. We are ready. We are ready. We are ready to build our children and release them into the next generation to hit the target of advancing the gospel. We're ready, Lord. But, Lord, at the same time, we need your help. We're not so ready that we're running out in front of you. No, 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 Lord. We are back behind you. We trust your leadership. We trust your your ways. So God, help us. Help us as parents. Help us as a church. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.